guys, I'm Annie, and I'm going to be doing the Bible reading for today. So we're reading from Luke chapter 4, verses 31 to 44. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching, because his words had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit, he cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are! With authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them, and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Good morning, everybody. Um, there's a few new faces. I'll try to make sure I say hello later. My name's Steve. I'm the minister, and I've been enjoying doing nothing much this morning on the long weekend. Um, now, it is nice to be relaxed on a long weekend, knowing that you've got tomorrow's a day off, but we're looking at this part of the Bible now. You'll notice as we look at it, you'll hear that some of the songs we've been singing, words have been chosen because you can hear them through Luke. Um, but let's pray that we'd understand this part now. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that as we look at Luke's gospel, we ask that we would see Jesus clearly. Lord, we pray that you would help us to share Jesus' priority of proclaiming the kingdom of God. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If we're honest, we've all found ourselves in a position where we just want a miracle. I'm sure you've been there. It could be the kind of the, the little minor things like in the week before Christmas, needing a car park at Indrapilly. <laughs> you want that kind of miracle. Or it could be in a couple of months' time when the end of semester exams come around. You might want a miracle then. And other times, though, it's the, it's the serious, critical things, like a friend or a family member seriously ill, and we pray to God we want a miracle. We've all found ourselves in situations where we want a miracle. And so when you read this part of Luke, that's what jumps out at us. It's the amazing miracles that Jesus does. And by miracles, we mean um, God intervening um, to do something that's otherwise completely unexpected, out of the ordinary. 
As Christians, we know that God is in control over everything. So the sun comes up day after day because of the way God's made the world, because he has his hand in everything. He's sovereign. He has perfect control over everything. Everything happens under the sovereignty of God. When we talk about a miracle, what we're talking about, I think, is God deciding to change the way he set things up, doing something extraordinary, different and amazing. And usually it's something done in a way that would be pleasing to us or helpful to us. It's usually kind of about us and what we need. As you look at this part of Luke, he shows us that Jesus has the power to perform miracles like that. But so far in Luke, we've um, been shown by Luke, by Luke as he writes his gospel, we've been shown Jesus' baptism and his temptation and his teaching. And here we get to see some of his miracles. And as we read over Theophilus's shoulder, so Luke is writing this for Theophilus, as we read along, this is an orderly account that Luke has put together where he presents to us the Son of God, Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the King, and Jesus, the suffering servant, the one who will take the punishment for sin and bring forgiveness. Here in um, Luke chapter 4, verses 31 to 44, Luke, he recounts the miracles that Jesus did in Capernaum. If you were paying attention last week, you would have noticed towards the end of the passage, Jesus says, now you're going to ask me to do a miracle like I did in Capernaum. It's just one of those telltale signs that as Luke writes, he's ordering this material for his own purpose to show us Jesus. Because now we get to see some of those miracles that Jesus did in Capernaum. Um, these miracles, they're a much bigger deal than finding a spot in the car park. Jesus did things that were completely out of the ordinary. So in verses 33 to 37, he freed a man from the oppression of a demon. That would have been an amazing surprise to the people there that day, just as it would be for us to see now. Then in verses 38 and 39, he heals Simon's mother of a fever. And I presume that a fever back then was in the kind of the, the sphere of COVID-19 today. It's a serious thing. Jesus heals Simon's mother of that. And then in verse 40, Luke says, Jesus healed many individuals from various kinds of sicknesses. And perhaps there's just too many for Luke to list. And then finally in verse 41, Jesus cast out demons from many people. I don't know how many miracles that would be in total. I don't know how you'd work it out, but it sounds like a lot. And it sounds like Jesus is very busy because it's not that he just goes, bang, you're better. He gets in there alongside these people. So if you look at verse 40, for example, when Luke tells us he heals that load of people, he did it individually. He laid his hands on each of them. And you can see it more clearly in verse 39 with, with Simon's mom. Jesus cared for her individually and then spent time with her. And then in verse, working back up to verse 35, Luke points out that when Jesus cast the demon out of that man, um, he did it without injuring the man. There's this care and this concern for these individuals. He put all that together and that makes for a huge day in Capernaum, late into the evening. A lot of hard work. A lot of people time. But seeing people um, freed from captivity to sickness, to demons and disease, you see Jesus' willingness to help these people, to care for them, spend time with them. And so as you read about Jesus' miracles in Capernaum, though, we 
have in the back of our mind what we saw last week. I mean, we're still in chapter 4. We're, we're going really slowly. And so as you read about these miracles, you've got chapter 4 in the background. Remember back in chapter 4 when Jesus was in Nazareth, he went into the synagogue and he opened part of Isaiah and read the passage to them and then said, well, that's me, I'm fulfilling that. As you read back through that passage from Isaiah, it's like Luke wants us to see here that he, Jesus is almost acting it out, playing it out. So the, the passage says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. In Luke's orderly account, he's ordered these things so that you can see as Jesus does the, these miracles, it's like he's acting out. Isaiah 61. Isaiah was describing the suffering servant who would come, save God's people, um, from, from, uh, free God's people, and talks about it in terms of the year of the Lord's favour, talking in terms of the Jubilee, the Sabbath of Sabbaths. After 49 years, seven by seven, the 50th year is the Jubilee. It's a year of cancelling of all debts. It's almost a bit like an amnesty. If you're old, as old as me, you'll remember back um, after the Port Arthur massacre, the government hold, held those gun amnesties. And there's been other gun amnesties since when you can return your weapons, your armoury, your semi-automatic rifle, whatever it is, without any questions asked, no penalties. Um, if you're not into or not aware of all that stuff, libraries do it as well. If you've got overdue library books, there's a point at which the library just has this amnesty. You can return books that you've found and there's no penalty, there's no fine. An amnesty, it's a chance to have your debts cleared, no penalty applied, it's a jubilee. Isaiah spoke about the suffering servant who would bring freedom, a jubilee, a special Sabbath. And then Luke tells us in 4 verse 31 that on a Sabbath, you've got this special Sabbath in the back of your mind, on a Sabbath Jesus arrives in Capernaum and he casts out this demon from a man in the synagogue. And through that miracle he is freeing this man who's oppressed. Um, and then Luke says that he frees Simon's mother from her sickness. And then he did other similar miracles, setting the oppressed free. Can you hear the passage in Isaiah in the background? I think Luke wants us to see Jesus fulfilling Isaiah, though he not completely yet. As you keep on reading through Luke, you'll discover that he does fulfill it by saving people from our sin, from the captivity to sin. So far in Luke, um, Luke's shown us Jesus' baptism, shown us his temptation, his teaching. Now he's showing us his miracles. But I think what Luke wants us to see more than the miracles is Jesus' amazing authority, his power. And so Luke brings his authority to our attention more than once. So if you look in verse 32, for example, 31 goes, Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. The word behind that is the word for authority or power. The people were amazed at the power of Jesus' words. Um, we're about to be shown miracles and Luke prepares us by saying the people were amazed at the power of Jesus' words and that echoes back through. So when you look down in verse 36, all the people were amazed as they were in verse 32 and they said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. Jesus has just cast a demon out of a man. You'd be falling flat going, wow, that is incredible. Look at that miracle. But Luke says, the people there that day say, look at his words. 
Look at the authority with which he did that. Look at the power of Jesus' words. And so as the reader of Luke's gospel, we've been chugging along through Luke and we know that Luke is the son of God. He's the Messiah. He's got the son. He has the power to do these things. We know that. But these people there that day, they see this amazing miracle and they go, wow, look at the authority of Jesus' words. Look at the way he speaks. Um, in verse 34, the demon possessed man, the, the demon that possessed the man knows who Jesus is. So the demon says, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? You've come to destroy us. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. As we read Luke, we know that Jesus is the Holy One of God as well, but no one else does. The demon knows. Remember at the start of chapter 4 when Jesus was tempted? Satan knew that Jesus was the Son of God. And so he tempts Jesus to come to, into his glory bypassing suffering, to have all the glory of being the Son of, of God, the Messiah, but without suffering. Satan knows who Jesus is. And the demons know who Jesus is, but look at what Jesus says in verse 35. Be quiet. And the NIV has done its fancy thing of hiding a word for us. Jesus rebuked at that point. He rebukes the spirit. He says, be quiet, come out of him. And you see the authority in Jesus' words. The demon does what Jesus tells it to, goes quiet, comes out of the man, doesn't even hurt the man. And Luke says at that point in verse 36, the people are amazed at the power of his words, that he can speak and these things happen. So Luke shows us the power and authority of Jesus' words. He shows us again in verse 39. If you look at the way he heals um, Simon's mother, it says in verse 39, so he bent over her and rebuked the same word, rebuked the fever, spoke at the fever, and the fever left her. Jesus speaks and it happens. His words command even sickness, obey him. And down in verse 41, you see it again. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. There's a little bit of a trick happening there. You know, tells the, the demons not to say who he is. I mean, what good could come of that, of having demons proclaim Jesus the Messiah? What good could possibly come from that? And so Jesus silences them, stops them speaking, stops them declaring who they are. If you look back at verse 37, news about Jesus is spreading throughout the whole area. It's spreading throughout the area based on his teaching and the authority of his words. It's similar back in verse 14 of chapter 4. His reputation is growing. It's growing as he preaches in the synagogues. And so Jesus, people are hearing about him through his word, through his preaching. He doesn't need the demons to say who he is. Um, even here in Capernaum, it's the power of his words that is spreading his reputation. He doesn't want the demons to declare who he is, and so he uses his authority to silence them, to stop them declaring who he is. The next thing um, Luke shows us is down in verse 42. We see Jesus' priority is to speak his words, to preach. So in verse 42, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. He could have stayed where he was, where people, I'm sure, would have been adoring him, praising him for the way that he was healing people. He could have stuck there continuing to physically heal people. He could have made himself incredibly popular and well-known. You can hear the temptation behind this, can't you? Is this one of those moments that 4 verse 13 looks ahead to, the opportune time? Is this one of those moments where Satan's in his ear tempting him? to build a following for himself based on physical healing of people. 
But Jesus instead takes himself out to a solitary place again, into the wilderness again in verse 42. And, the, and if you read the rest of verse 42, the people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. It's a completely normal reaction. They want him to stay with them. He's amazing. They want him to be with them. And in verse 43, but he said to them, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to others, other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Just let that sink in for a little bit. He's got to move on. He's got to leave these people that want him to be with them. Jesus walked away from more sick people, more demons-possessed people. He left them because his priority is to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. I mean, if you think about how hard that would have been, I mean, you've already seen the way he cared for these people. It wasn't just a you know hit-and-run kind of miracle working. He was hands-on, involved, caring for these people. They want him to stay, but he has to move on because that's why he's come. Luke shows us that each of the people Jesus healed had his specific individual attention, his care, and yet here he is walking away from these people. He cared for their physical needs, and I reckon like any man, any human, he would have been drawn to stick around with these people. But he had a greater priority, so he moved on, and Luke will show us how he continues. He keeps moving, he keeps moving, he keeps moving until he gets to Jerusalem where he knows he will suffer and die. And in suffering and dying, he will deal with the more major issue than any physical ailment. He'll deal with sin. And so as Luke pieces together these events, he shows us bit by bit that the good news of the kingdom of God that Jesus proclaims is a message of forgiveness of sins and amnesty, a jubilee, a cancelling of debts. God, the good news of forgiveness that's made possible through the coming of a suffering messiah the suffering servant. And so at the other end of Luke's gospel, you eventually get there at Luke chapter 24 and verse 45, after his death and resurrection, Jesus opens the eyes of his disciples, his followers, and shows them that this is exactly what's been happening. And so you read in verse 45 of chapter 24, then he opened their minds so they could understand scriptures. He said to them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. That is Jesus' priority, to preach that gospel of repentance and forgiveness of sins made possible through his death on the cross. His priority isn't to provide for physical needs, isn't to do miracles that heal people or cast out demons. It's like the little band-aids that keep someone alive long enough to hear the gospel for Jesus to do his real work of seeing repentance and forgiveness. And so far, as we've worked our way through Luke's gospel, we've seen his baptism, we've seen his temptation, we've seen his teaching. Now we're looking at his miracles, and through all of this, Luke is showing us Jesus' authority as the Messiah, the Son of God, and God the Son. Um, Luke's showing us Jesus' priority, though, is to bring forgiveness, to cause people to repent and turn back to him. And as you're reading along, you can hear the words of Isaiah. He's come to proclaim the good news to the poor bring freedom to prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, to bring in an amnesty. I'm sure, um, like me, you've found yourself in a position where you want a miracle. It could be the kind of trivial thing. It could be the really important one. But when you find yourself in those situations, keep in mind that the priority Jesus has isn't to make us comfortable but to have us forgiven from our sins. 
That's the priority. And Jesus' priority, it's not to meet our physical needs, but to see the kingdom of God growing, to see people bowing the knee to him as king over everything. And so our priority should be to live for Jesus as our Lord, to acknowledge his authority over us. Um, and our priority should be to live with Jesus as our saviour, the one that brings us to God forgiven. And as we live as his people, our priority should be to proclaim the same message of the kingdom of heaven that he was proclaiming to anyone who will listen. And so for us, yeah, the question for us as we read Luke 4 of Luke's gospel, um, chapter 4, the question is how do you respond to Jesus' authority and to his priority? Um, Jesus has all the authority of God. Do you acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and your God? And Jesus' priority is proclaim the gospel of repentance and forgiveness. Do you share that priority with Jesus? We've got a um, young man in our street who, oh, about a year ago, he got his license, and it seemed like every other day in his car, it was a hand-me-down car from mum and dad, he's made all sorts of improvements to his car. He's changed the lights so they're better. He's changed the wheels, they're better. He's made a lot cleaner, obviously. He's got little stickers here and there. He's even changed the muffler. He's done something under the bonnet. I don't know what it is, but the hours of care and attention and devotion he's put, but under the bonnet is still an aging 1.6 litre Corolla motor with a lot of kilometres on it. He hasn't changed that. It feels like a lot of our life we spend prettying up things that don't matter. Jesus' priority is to see people saved, see people forgiven. That young man, he's not alone. We all pour our lives into things which ultimately don't make a whole lot of difference to anything. What really matters is Jesus, his authority over us, and his priority to bring forgiveness to people like us who are otherwise headed to death and judgment. Um, churches and individuals, I reckon we can be distracted from that priority and find ourselves pouring our time and energy and resources into, into providing for people's physical needs. Perhaps um, maybe enjoying the reputation of the community around us as we do those good things for other people. Um, maybe enjoying being applauded for it, rewarded for it in different ways. And we should care for people. I mean, you look again at how Jesus cared for these people's physical needs. He didn't just hit and run, he cared for them. We should care for people. You can see it in this passage, but Jesus also walked away from people who needed help because his priority was to proclaim the kingdom of heaven, the good news of God, and we should, prepare, we should share his same priority. And so as you read this part of Luke, let's not be distracted by the miracles. Yet Luke is showing us the miracles that Jesus did. Let's not be distracted, though, by the miracles and thinking about maybe how Jesus could serve us with his great power. Instead, stand in awe of Jesus' authority, the power of his words, the way he commands sickness and demons, and also commands our respect for us to adore him as our Lord and our Saviour. How about I pray for us? Heavenly Father, please forgive us for the way we get so tied up in our own concerns. Lord, please forgive us for the way we look out for our own interests. And please forgive us for the way that we make ourselves so busy ignoring you. 
Lord, we thank you for Jesus, your Son and our Lord. Thank you for his willingness to sacrifice himself for our sin. Thank you for raising Jesus to life as our ruler, ruler over everything and over everyone. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us and change us to live for Jesus. We pray that as individual Christians and as a church, we pray that we would share Jesus' priority of seeing your kingdom come as we proclaim repentance and forgiveness in Jesus' name. Amen.